I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome again to another edition of the Final Inspection Show here. Brought to you by, of course, David Hobbs Honda and David Hobbs Studios and Great Lakes Dragway. And we'd like to thank Great Lakes Dragway for their hospitality last week. Uh, a lot of fun out there for the Time Machine Nationals. And plus we had uh, the reunion of the 1996 Packer team. That was a lot of fun. Jeff, you missed a good time out there. Yeah, stuck in the studio, man. I was jealous hearing the, the roar of the cars in the background last week. Yeah, it was, uh, and we were going to have uh, Leroy Butler on for the final segment and had them all lined up, him and Santana, and then this beautiful girl came in, some like Princess Miss Wisconsin, Miss something, you know, with the sash on. Oh, yeah. And uh, she came, asked him a question. Next thing you know, they're gone, escorting her to the where they need to get signed in or whatever, and I, it's like, you got I can't blame for that. No, no. Looking at me, looking at her, I would have done the same thing. So, but <laughs> a lot of good time. A lot of uh, if you go to the Facebook page, uh, the Final Inspection Facebook page, lots of videos and photos from the weekend of ex uh, Packers, and then of course lots of cool dragsters of yesteryear posted there. A lot of fun. Good times, man. Good times. And then this week, uh, don't forget Great Lakes Dragway. Of course, they are still running, and we have. Uh, on Saturday, they got the Subaru Shootout, and uh, Sunday, Import Wars on the 10th, and then uh, on the 11th, on uh, Monday, they are closed. And then don't forget, next week, uh, we got the the uh, Hot Rod Drag Week coming to Great Lakes Dragway. That is a pretty cool, cool event. Check out Great Lakes Hot uh, dragway.com for more information on that it's a pretty deal it goes on for a couple days and you it's it's a great way to see a lot of different cars a lot of different people just a lot of fun jeff orlowski yes sir so uh truck race last week was kind of interesting wasn't it this is uh this is kind of strange how we actually start with the uh with a truck race but i think last week out of all the things that were happening that kind of caused the most emotions i guess yeah, I would think so. That was one hell of a finish. Uh, Sindrick uh, putting a little bumper to uh, Kaz Gralla. Austin Sindrick, of course. Uh, Tony Zazino is also joining us in studio. And uh, uh, Tony, give us a little background on Austin Sindrick because he's a guy. He's a he's a neat guy. 
with a knee pedigree, and he's been running everything for the last couple of years. Yeah, Z-Man, and good to be in studio after my uh, couple weeks on the road, uh, Gateway and Watkins Glen. So I was not in the land of Canada where Austin Sindrick was taking the bumper to the rear end of Kazgraw down at the uh, the double apex Moss Corner. He is a guy that is only 18 or 19 years old. He's running full-time in the Camping World Truck Series this year, but he's raced rally cars. He's raced sports cars. He has an open-wheel background. He's actually running a rally cross series this weekend in Seattle. Uh, because he hasn't done enough of that. He's <laughs> probably driven two or three. He's driven sports cars in Australia. I mean, the, the, the kid's basically been in everything. He'd probably run like dirt sidecar motorcycles if the opportunity presented itself. Probably would. And who's his uh, dad? He is the son of Tim Sindrick, ah. who is a uh, Penske Racing president. Actually made his Xfinity debut up here at Road America a couple weeks back in the 22 car. So, um, some and people also might- uh, won the ARCA race. Has won ARCA, he's won K&N, let's see, uh, I think he could probably, I don't know, have his own engine at some point. So um, he's a guy that's, might, some people might not like him, but he actually has a pretty good hat on his shoulders. I've gotten to know him the last few years, his, uh, uh, but he's brash, he drives for Brad Keselowski, and as we'll get to, this is an important time of year for, for them and that team with the team shutting down at the end of the year and him being outside the playoffs, something had to give when it came to uh, Sunday afternoon. So here, here's the scenario. We got uh, one or one or two laps to go, and Kaz Grala, who won the initial race of the season at uh, Daytona, a rookie himself, uh, him and Austin Sindrick are racing for the lead, and then going at the double apex Moss Corner. Mm-hmm. He uh, they say uh, as they would say, uh, Sindrick uh, dropped a bumper on him or bumped him, whatever you want to say. Oh, he nudged him hard. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a it pretty, was it was not it was not it incidental. It was a good thud. Here, let's see if I can. Re- there, yeah. boom! It was a thud. And Jeff, what happened next? Uh, well, Sindra goes on to win the race, and uh, Kaz Grala started crying all over Twitter. <laughs> and oh, oh, I thought he was going to race me clean. You know, the kid's going for the first win in his truck series career. Like Tony said, he's on the outside looking in in the playoffs, so this win seals his position. And Grawler's already in because of his Daytona win. Yeah, so what do you expect? Hello, Kaz. This is NASCAR. This isn't, you know, little old ladies driving to the supermarket. You're trying to break into the same sport where uh, Tony Stewart, ever hear of him? Uh, You know, Dale Earnhardt, the good one. Uh, you know, they would have done the exact same thing. I don't see what the big deal is. I don't see why he's crying all over Twitter. Well, and and here's the thing. I, I don't I do not like that move. I don't like the bump and run. However, in certain situations, you get a waiver. And when you get a waiver is in a situation like this where you're going for your first win and or you're trying to get into the playoffs. Because if I'm the if I'm his car owner, I'm going to the car you know, I'm going to my driver, why didn't you take him out? Absolutely. I mean, to- driving clean and all that does have its place, and I think we, we I think we're on agreement. Whereas uh, NASCAR has created an, an environment uh, encouraging that, which uh, I think Tony and I come from a different school where we don't necessarily agree with that entirely. But there is situations where this is okay, and I think this is one of them. Initially, I saw that I did not like it. I kind of shook my head, but when you know the whole situation of of the teams and what what Tony expanded on to prior, you know, yeah, you gotta give him a pass here. Well, for me, I look at this track in particular and the the history of truck races up there. Pretty much every last lap has well, some has had a controversial finish. And that last year finish, with so. that Nemechek uh, and Cole Custer, yeah, I believe. And yeah. Nemechek, 
I mean, I'm a big fan of the family and everything. Uh, great, great family has, is is you know, gave the ultimate uh, sacrifice in racing and, and everything. But I, that was BS. That John Nemec, uh, what what Nemechek did, I did not like that. Chase Elliott a few years ago too. I mean, I feel like there's been at least three right. or four last lap shunts of some way, shape, or form at that track, and some more blatant than others. But you have those as memories. You know, you don't remember another Kyle Busch win in a truck race. You remember this crazy finish do, between two I two do guys. Remember once upon a time, yes, back at Sears Point, in 1991, where uh, Ricky Rudd did that to Davey Allison, and uh, Ricky Rudd got a black flag instead of the checkered flag. Well, everybody knew it was coming. It should have been coming. Kaz should have known it was coming. So, you know, tough, tough. Deal with it. Man up, man. Grow some fuzz on the Kiwis. You knew, you know, you should have known. You should have known the bumper was getting laid on you. Get your ass out of the way. Or, you know, just at least don't cry about it. At least don't cry about it. Cindric's team boss, Brad Keselowski, won his first race by moving Carl Edwards at Talladega and put him in the fence. So, you know. Damn straight. Well, <laughs> that, was, that was on Edwards, though, because yeah. Edwards came down into him. And I was like, I was screaming at the TV to Brad, like, keep your lane, keep your lane, dump his ass, dump his ass, because I hate blocking. <laughs> and that's what he did. Yeah. Of course, you know, you don't want to see a car flying into the stance, but it was Carl's actions that did that, not Brad Kay's. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Kaz has nothing to complain about. He should have seen it coming. He should have known it was coming. Kudos, Austin Sindrick. Great job. Congratulations on your first win. Uh, you know, have have fun in the playoffs. I hope you do well. I hope you make a name for yourself and, and pick up a ride next year. The kid's obviously got talent. He deserves a, uh, a, a ride in the truck series in Xfinity. He deserves to keep his career moving. And you know what a name to, to what a way to make a name for yourself, Tony. Where is this future? In the past, we would have said NASCAR because that would have been the easiest way for a driver to get a ride in the past. But we're looking at the situation. Guys like Matt Kenseth, unless you're bringing you know money, you're not getting a ride. And we they they uh, the subject Cal Larson, who's been running so well. And why is that Canassi? Because he's the only one that didn't ask for money. So I mean. Where where does this kid end up? You think in a couple he is years? in a really weird spot, Steve, because he is in that young generation of guys that would be on the precipice of going into Cup and Xfinity full time. We've seen this more of a tidal wave this year. Kenseth, you know, is among others. Casey Kane, Kurt Busch, Greg Biffle on down the line. Guys that aren't you know either don't have rods. Uh, but at the Bubba same, Wallace. Bubba Wallace yeah. is a, a great young example, and I think Bubba's shown a little more both in the trucks and Xfinity than, than Austin has. But Austin, also keep in mind, he's only 18, 19 years old, and when your dad is Tim Sindrick, you can make things happen. But Austin's been uh, Austin's been pretty definitive that, you know, I don't care what it is. I will race anything with four wheels, and he's done that now for three, four years, so he might not be full time in NASCAR within the next two, three years if his he doesn't get another full time ride after this year. Mm-hmm. But he's shown enough this year in the truck series to merit another opportunity. I think with a second year in the trucks he can win that championship, uh, then move to Xfinity beyond that. So I mean he's got time on his side, which is which is nice. Well, we got a lot more coming up on the show today. We got uh of course we got Laurie Monroe and Dennis Michelson. Uh they'll they'll be uh, queuing in on some of the uh, the same topics in NASCAR. Plus we have David Hobbs 
uh, will be joining us and uh, some big news with the dealership there we'll, we'll chat about and also the latest in Formula One with him. We'll talk, of course, expand with Tony DeZino in the world of IndyCar with the finale coming up. So a lot of things coming up on the final inspection show, courtesy of Great Lakes Dragway, of course, and David Hobbs Honda on the fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda. And speaking of David Hobbs, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, joining us now is David Hobbs. And welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, very glad to be on again. And, and uh, Some exciting news at David Hobbs Honda this week. Boy, 30 years and an expansion. I tell you. The whole thing just leaves me aghast. I was just standing in there with Margaret, you know, Mrs. H, the other day at our, at our uh, celebrations uh, with the vice president of sales from the Honda. And I said, God, it just doesn't seem five minutes since we were standing in this showroom, which at that stage was just a concrete floor and a few pillars, no roof. And, um, and that was all nearly 31 years ago. And uh, here we are. And uh, yes, we're expanding a little bit. We bought some land behind us. We need more storage space to, for inventory and used cars and that sort of thing. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it's very exciting. And Greg, my son, my other son, Greg, of course, runs it now. And um, it's nice for me to be sort of semi-retired from that. But at the same time, it's got my name over the door. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm very proud that we've been there 30 years. When we started, <clears throat> after about two or three years, I was a bit doubtful whether we'd make it. But... We pulled through. We pulled through the first Gulf War. We pulled through the recession, and uh, so yeah, I think we're fine. And proving that you're a full service uh, dealership, you can even get your flu shot at David Hobbs Honda on September 12th, Tuesday, from noon to two. So if you need a flu shot, go down to David Hobbs, get your flu shot, and maybe walk out with a new Civic. So and you can get an oil change, a tire <laughs> rotation. And a flu shot. I mean, hey, couldn't get any better than that. Um, and then uh, this week, of course, in the world of Formula One, David, of course, uh, uh, analyst for NBC Sports, uh, did Lewis Hamilton. Uh, can can anybody stop him? Well, um, I mean, the last two weeks he has been supreme. I mean, he drove a brilliant race in Spa where the uh, Ferraris were very, very competitive. And in the last stint, he had on a harder tire than the Ferraris. And the Ferraris, we were all expecting the Ferraris to overwhelm him, but he managed to hold him off and win the race. Um, Monza, the Mercedes seemed to really come into their own. They were very quick. I mean, they were super quick, and the Ferraris had nothing for them. And um, Vettel finished third behind the two Mercedes, but he was half a minute down. And uh, his teammate, Reichland, finished fifth, and he was a minute behind. However... You know, next week, um, well, end of this week, uh, they will be going into Singapore. And Singapore is a night race, very warm, uh, and they're using the ultra-soft tyres, which don't seem to suit Mercedes very well. And I think that uh, Ferrari are going to bounce right back 
and be super competitive in Singapore. Probably not at Malaysia a week or two weeks after that, but I think the next race uh, we can see the Ferraris being very competitive again. David, it's Tony, um, and uh, there's been a real big ebb and flow throughout the year, depending on the type of circuit. Singapore being a pretty high downforce track should favor the Ferraris. I would I would agree with you in that sense. What do you think it's going to take for the Ferraris to be able to get some points at tracks where maybe they don't have the package, whereas um, you've seen this year it's, it seemed to, to kind of favor Mercedes more often than not, even if they haven't had the fastest car? Well, I think the Mercedes has probably still got slightly more power than the Ferrari, but of course, when you're talking about 40 or 50 horsepower, it's it's not much. You know, you, when you're 100 off or 120 off like the uh, Honda, then it's pretty serious. But you're right, it has ebbed and flowed, which of course has been great for the championship, uh, great for the viewers, uh, great for the public there, and, you know, honestly, very good for Formula One. I mean... You know, Hamilton has just taken, for the first time, the sole lead, but he's got a three-point lead. I mean, it's not exactly a country mile ahead. Um, and I think Singapore will um, talk, will even things up again. The Ferraris seem to do better when there are some slow corners thrown into the mix. Obviously, Monte Carlo, they had a, a one-two. And... Um, they had a one-two in Hungary. Uh, there are no more tracks that are quite as slow as those two. Uh, Malaysia's pretty high-speed track. Um, and Japan, well, that's a high downforce circuit, which is coming up in just uh, a few weeks' time. Uh, but it's also got some very high-speed turns as well. But I think the Ferraris will be very competitive in Japan. And then, of course, we've got Toda, the U.S. Grand Prix down in Austin. I think that's going to be pretty even, Stevens. There, yeah, they've got corners there that suit both cars. So it's going to come down. And Jean Todd, who's the president of the FIA, and said the other day, the unthinkable. He said, "I think the championship's going to be won by the guy who does not blow his engine." I think one of these two guys is bound to have a DNF. It's mm. bound to happen. And I think the one who doesn't have a DNF will probably win the championship. And we saw, and we saw that last year with uh, with Lewis Hamilton's engine issue at Malaysia, which uh, he could never recover from the rest of the way. And Nico Rosberg was able to waltz his way in. Um, right. Last last thing for me is we've had the Ferrari driver lineup settled. Vettel and Raikkonen both uh, confirmed at least for another season. Botas seems sure bet to to resign at Mercedes. What what kind of silly season things can we expect? Um, of course, the Fernando Alonso McLaren domino is is kind of the the big talking point yeah. throughout the year. Uh, what can we hope to see the rest of the way? Well, unfortunately, uh, with Ferrari re-signing Kimi Raikkonen for one more year, that kind of pulled the leg out from under the stool of interesting moves <laughs> because there were a lot of drivers who were angling to get to Ferrari. Sergio Perez was hoping to go there. I'm sure they're looking at Esteban Ocon. We know that Max Verstappen uh, is looking there. Now, all these guys have got contracts and all their current owners say, well, the contract's foolproof, but of course, as you and I well know, Formula One contract um, is not foolproof until it's broken. And um, I'm a bit surprised that Ferrari took Kimi on again. I mean, he's nearly 100 points behind Vettel, as he was last year, and the year before, and the year before that, when Alonso was still there, he was 100 points behind Alonso. And he does a good job, but 
as Steve Matcher would say, he's good, but he's not great. Now, he was great, but I don't think he is anymore. And I, I think that uh, Ferrari have lost an opportunity here to try and get a young kid like um, Esteban Ocon, Max Verstappen, um, and start training him up. And it's kind of taken the uh, excitement out of the silly season because there's really nowhere. I mean, you know, Fernando Alonso was obviously thought he might have a chance to go back to um, Ferrari, but um, it kind of—I I don't think—I don't think Fernando's going. Anywhere. If Fernando goes anywhere, it'll be back to IndyCar, or not back to IndyCar, but, but into IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that Fernando Alonso wants to win in Formula One. Um, that's his main goal. And otherwise, uh, I mean, Julian Palmer looks like he's set to be pushed out of Renault. Who will go there? Will it be Ocon or will that be um, Fernando Alonso? Um, you know, there's a few seats up in the air, but the, the main one is gone. And so the real excitement for silly season has kind of faded somewhat. You know, you keep hearing this, Max Verstappen to through Mercedes. And I, I just wonder, you know, when you hear something over and over, you know, where there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And then maybe not this year, but maybe next year. I mean, does Christian Horner say, okay, you're going to give us a wad full of money and Mercedes engines and give us, uh, you know, and, and we'll, we'll maybe do it. Is that something that's even feasible? Oh, Steve. I mean, <laughs> anything's feasible. I, I mean, for certain, they'll want a, a, a wage full of money for Max. Um, whether they get the Mercedes engines as well, I, I somehow doubt that. I don't think Mercedes will go that far. But um, but Valtteri Bottas, he had a bit of a lackluster weekend in Spa, you know, three weeks ago. But last weekend in Monza, he redeemed himself as only what, four or five seconds behind Lewis at the end. Um, so he redeemed himself there. And I I really do think that Mercedes are probably going to sign um, uh, Bottas for certainly 2018. If I'm Hamilton, uh, I love him. He's the perfect number two. Absolutely, he is. Um, and they get on well. And um, I think Paul Nico Rosberg, his nose has been out of joint since they were about 11. And they were doing go-karts. And, um, and Hamilton has always been kind of a step ahead. And I think that really rankled with Nico. And um, he won the World Championship last year. But, of course, he retired within about a week. And I just, I just say flat out, he retired because he knew he would never win another championship. He knew he wasn't going to go to Ferrari. He knew that Ferrari wasn't going to pick him up. No one's going to pick him up. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did well because he was driving the best car. He knew that, you know, really one-on-one, there's no way he was going to beat Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton last year must be just so ticked off. I mean, he won nine <laughs> races. How can you win nine yeah. out of 20 races and not win the championship? Yeah, it's got to be frustrating. It, happened, but, um, it shouldn't. We're talking to David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. I think we're good. Um, just, yeah. uh, th- David, uh, once again, con- congratulations on uh, 30 years at 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. Uh and uh, have a have a thanks for coming on the show, and we look forward to hearing you guys uh, do Singapore. Well, thank you, Steve. As always, I like being on the show. I enjoy being on the show. So it's great to, to talk to you and 
and Tony and the other guys there. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Always appreciate it. Anytime you want, I'll always be there. All right. And um, looking forward to Singapore next week and, of course, Malaysia just soon after that. All right. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. David Hobbs on uh, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. You're listening to, to, to the Final Inspection Show on The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Dennis Michelson along with the lovely and talented Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. That means it's time to go in-depth on NASCAR Talk and Laurie Monroe, the throwback weekend at Darlington was a little disappointing. What you found it disappointing? I found the broadcast disappointing. I well, had, I got a whole other rant about the broadcast, but what were you upset about? I just didn't like how they sort of didn't get the concept of the era that they were trying to honor. Well, so because, much for my still blowing. Thanks a well, lot, Michelson. We'll work on that one later. But it just was an overall broadcast-wise sort of brought me down a little bit. Um, the cars were sensational. Like all of the car yeah. tributes ended up being more beautiful in person on the track than I imagined. But the other thing is I'm, I'm really feeling sorry and, and really a little scared for Denny Hamlin today. Um, when you're double encumbered, I'm not sure if he can recover from that. Well, hopefully there's a pill for that. But yeah, I agree. The cars look great. They look great, especially when they're under the lights there. When the, when the darkness started to creep in and the lights are on, man, those things look so good. And I think any team that did not show up with a nice retro paint scheme should be fined. If they're oh, going to yeah. start fining people every weekend for the most obscene thing like a missing lug nut or a loose lug nut or whatever they're going to have to start finding them for showing up with crappy paint schemes that's all i'm going to say there were some like the m&m's car could have gone retro m&m on you know even if they use something change the font so that it's a retro type font do anything but i know it all it all crosses over into some sort of a marketing thing. Well, we can't do that unless we actually offer them in the stores that way. You know, there's always going to be some excuse like that. But still, they could have at least shown some effort because that was that was lame. Yeah, to not see an effort from some of the major teams. And then no. at the same time, you've got some of the smallest teams out there yeah. that just went out of their way to do yeah. fantastic paint schemes. That, that, to me, is the fun part. When you get teams that you know are challenged for money, they would just as soon leave the paint scheme the same and just bring the same car back to the track if they could. Yet they went out of their way to honor this throwback weekend mm-hmm. on a small budget. That is so cool. And what I liked about the weekend as well was the fact that a cool paint scheme actually won both the Xfinity and the Cup yes. race. I think that was sort of a nice thing. It, it it was so neat seeing that paint scheme in in Victory Lane as well. That really looked good, that Flying 11. The Flying 11 looks so cool. Having yeah. the same number as the, the real car. And to honor a short track legend 
from his own area of the country where he grew up racing. To me, that makes it even more personal and, and even cooler. And I just loved what they did. Showing that paint scheme in conjunction with the one that they did, they really nailed it. They got it yeah. so perfect. They really did. And just all the little backstories along with it, just it just made it fun. That's how it should be. It should have been should have been a fun weekend for teams to be able to to celebrate the history of of NASCAR that way and just sad that some didn't. And so cool to see that racetrack live up to its old ways as well <laughs> because to see 20 to 25 mile an hour drop-offs in speed over yeah. the course of a tire run that's old school tire management racing. And to see guys, you know, the 78 team tried to push and and do longer on that last run and they paid for it with a tire going down. I mean, that's old school racing at its best. And just seeing that track operating with the red and white walls mm-hmm. and to see that front grandstand just packed to the gills and the infield without any more space for campers to be in there. The people really turned out to show their love for Darlington last weekend, and that was good, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. However, we saw another encumbered win, and it just seems like this was, to me, a pretty major violation of the rules for Hamlin. Are they going to need to start knocking playoff points from these guys to keep them from trying to cheat things up because the current penalties haven't slowed these guys down of uh, finding very big ways to break the rules. Well, did it pass tech before the race? Yeah. You know, I just really think they got to really make a decision here. They either got to lock people up in jail and throw away the key or get rid of all these micrometers and laser laser tools and measures and just have some good old-fashioned competition. You know, you get people complaining that, oh, these, nobody's allowed to exercise ingenuity anymore. And, and then the minute they do, they, they, they want their head on a platter. You know, I, I just don't buy that. I, I think it's nuts. Everybody has to win. Everybody has to have a trophy. There can't be a loser. And this is why we've got all these stages now, too. Oh, you've won stage one. Everybody's a winner. It's just really ridiculous. This isn't the NASCAR. This isn't the stock car racing I know. This is just too, it's just too everybody huggy, kissy, can't do anything outside uh, in the gray area anymore. Don't like it at all. See, the thing is, if the car passes pre-race tech, Mm -hmm. unless it's, you know, doing, unless they tricked it out some way during a pit stop, pulled the side skirts out, or they've got a trick engine in there that, you know, when they tear it down, they find, you know, a mysterious part that, that made the car faster. Other than that, I don't see why they have to have so many rules but as i understand this encumbered rule thing for denny hamlin this was an illegal part this is a blatantly illegal part that was caught on both his xfinity and his cup cars why didn't they find that in pre-race tech you know they had they've got pre-race inspection nascar has done this to themselves if you have to inspect these cars 
once, twice, three times, four times and try and find stuff, you've made your own rules so ridiculous that nobody will ever pass anything. Look at how ridiculous it is. If you compare the issue with the 11 car this past weekend and say the 88 car that had a couple loose wheel nuts, they're basically both being crucified over something that one would be deemed a, a lot more critical a penalty than the other, and yet they're all being thrown in the fire. This whole thing has gotten out of control. Like I said, they really have to make a decision how far they want to go with this. If they just want to show up, if they want just want to let the team show up at the track and have cars all lined up and ready for them and call it an IROC race, then do that too. Just this whole thing with the rules and now people are so upset and they're looking back in history. Well, this is how NASCAR should be. We don't want, we don't want fans leaving the track without knowing who the winner is. You know, they just keep pulling up rules from the black and white era and combining them with the modern era and thinking everything's going to mesh perfectly. Well, it's just not. I couldn't say it any better if I tried Laurie Monroe. Okay. I'm out of breath. Thank God. Nicely done. Well, folks, it is time for us to take a break so Lori can catch her breath. But when we come back, more bloviating and more blowing up because your stills are going to be blown up, too. Thanks for tuning in to the final inspection. 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Dennis and Laurie on a Saturday afternoon. You know what that means. It's time for some great music. Don't be shy. Sing along. Ah, yes, indeed, folks. It is time to blow up somebody's NASCAR still. And with all that happened over the weekend, I'm sure that we've got some good ones coming your way. Lori Monroe, can you explain to the folks in Milwaukee how this works? Absolutely. If something has upset you in the week of racing, we are here to blow it up for you. To Head, head over to racetalkradio.com, send us an email from there, or you can fill out the form from there. It's right on the opening page. Or you go to our Facebook page and send us a message from there. There's so many ways to get in touch with us. And actually, while you're over at racetalkradio.com, don't forget to look up the outtakes and the after show of what we're talking about right here. You just don't want to miss that. Do you think this is crazy? Yeah. Anyway, on to what I want to blow up. As mentioned in the top of the show, I was absolutely, I don't even know what the term is, appalled, upset, irate. I don't know what it is. But the fact that they had Chris Devota dressed like Madonna <laughs> and Jarrett and Rick Allen like, uh, what do they call it, Miami Vice. Did none of these people ever go to a NASCAR event or a stock car event? in the 80s and look at what people were wearing people weren't strutting around like miami vice they were wearing shirts with dick trickle on them they were wearing shirts with mark martin on them they were wearing things with wrangler on them they looked like they were either rolled out of the old west or north carolina or somewhere and they actually looked the part they wore cowboy boots they wore probably the straw cowboy hats or trucker caps there's so many things that they could have done that would have embraced the feel of stock car racing in the 80s, and they blew it. I don't for once ever remember Madonna hanging out at a NASCAR track. That was disgusting. 
It was absolutely ridiculous. It was an embarrassment and it was an insult to people who actually were there. So these guys have to be blown to the high heavens. And if they didn't choose to do it themselves, dress this way, then whoever made them dress this way to sort of help promote the upcoming Miami Vice series that's going to be relived on NBC in 2018, you need your ass blown up as well. They need to look around and see who's there. This absolutely, this disjointed the entire weekend to me. This did not celebrate NASCAR in the 80s. This celebrated television in the 80s. It was BS. Blow it very, very much BS. And one of the pit reporters was actually wearing like a hoop skirt that you'd see in the 50s. But again, Ugh. you'd see that at the malt shop. You wouldn't see that at the racetrack. I just And even Rutledge Wood. I love Rutledge Wood. I was so irate at what he was wearing. He looked like an idiot. He should have had an old Wrangler's jacket on. He should have wore what he wears when him and Kyle Petty do their TV thing looking back on the series. Yeah, that would have been much, much better. All right. Well, my still blowing isn't even close to being that irate, but it has to do with the fact that NASCAR has a rule for everything nowadays leave a lug nut loose and you're going to get fined your crew chief's going to get suspended your pit crew is going to be sent to the naughty corner there's all of these rules yet nascar officials are the biggest cowards in the world because they will not make a call when somebody crosses the line on the racetrack like we saw in the truck series race when austin Sindrick he didn't rattle his cage he didn't make a, a use the chrome horn he drove through the guy to make the pass he drove through Kaz Grala and Kaz Grala by the way handled it with such class after the race I'm just incredibly amazed at that kid but this was a call that NASCAR should have made otherwise if you're going to allow anything goes at the racetrack you're in for some really, really nasty moves, and you're probably going to get somebody killed along the way. I am so frustrated with what I saw with Austin Sindrick's dump and win move over the weekend and NASCAR being cowards, not willing to make a call. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have said that better myself. Thank you very much. I think they all need blowing today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. Definitely Who- blow them all up. There's going to be hoop skirts and Cindric all over the place. <laughs> General Mattis, send in the B-52. General Mattis, those are the wrong B-52s. Oh, no. Can you try again, please? Ah, that's much better. The sound of sweet mayhem on a Saturday afternoon. Ah, nothing beats it. Well, folks, it is time to hit the NASCAR news before we call it a day. And great news, folks. Talladega Super Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway. How cool was it that they opened up their campgrounds to those evacuating and fleeing Hurricane Irma? Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, they're set up to take uh, large quantities of people like that with uh, with campers. I think they should sort of keep this in their all the tracks should keep this in their back pocket as well, though, if they have low attendance, just threaten that there's a hurricane somewhere and say, oh, we're going to let people just come in here. Yeah, just fill the stands that way. 
Very good idea indeed. Ooh. In the sponsor front, Warrior by Danica will be on her car at Richmond this weekend. Yeah, you know, when you've got to sponsor yourself, it, uh, what does that say? I, I, you know, it's great that she's promoting her brand that way, but it just sort of leaves me thinking, is this sort of the last, the last we're going to see of her at each track as the season goes on? I just, I don't know what the future holds for her, but I'll miss her if she's leaving. I'll, I'll tell you that much, but, uh, you know, she's, she's young. She's got energy. She'll figure something out. Also in the sponsor news, looks like Mr. Daryl Wallace Jr. has picked up some sponsorship for next weekend at Chicagoland Speedway, or he'll be racing in the Xfinity Series again. Yeah, this is uh, the beginning of what we're going to be seeing from him. I think this is only going to go up from him. He's just going to, something's going to happen. He, he's, he is going to be a big, a big presence, I predict, towards the end of the year and next year. Absolutely. I'm really, really hoping that the rumors are true, yeah. that he'll be racing with our next story, because Richard Petty Motorsports in the news, Richard says, got no plans emerging with another team. Yeah, really. And, I, I you know, you kind of wonder what the heck is really going on there. Um, the fact that that building they're in is up for lease, and I just don't know. Maybe they're all moving back to level cross. How Would that be pretty cool? That would be pretty cool, but I yeah. think it's going to be cool either way that Richard Petty Motorsports is still in NASCAR next year. That's the one thing I'm pretty sure we can say with confidence. Well, let's hope it's he's around forever. All right, Lori, it is the last race of the regular season. Last mm. chance to make the NASCAR playoffs. Who's your pick to click? You know, I really don't think we're going to see anyone new that hasn't won win this year, so I'm just going to go with Kyle Larson. You are taking Kyle Larson. I am going to say that we are going to see a first-time winner this weekend, Mr. Eric Jones. Nice. I pick for Richmond. Well, That would be good. like that. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR segment on the final inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. And don't go anywhere. Coming up in the second hour, get all the latest IndyCar news from Steve Zaki and Tony DeZeno. Uh, we'll also play you my interview that I had with Scott Paddock, who's the president of Chicagoland Speedway. You don't want to miss that. And you'll get our NASCAR predictions from Steve, Tony, and myself. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios... It's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. They're still doing racing out there. The weather is cool. 
but it's perfect for drag racing. Get out there. And, of course, we'd like to thank them for their hospitality last week. Just a lot of fun at their Time Machine Nationals. And, of course, uh, thanks to everybody involved that brought the 1996 Packers back there. A lot of fun. Uh, great seeing those guys. Leroy Butler, Santana Dotson, the Gravedigger. Gilbert Brown was out there. Chris Jackie. Let's see if I can remember everybody here. Let's see. Uh, Butler. Uh, Frankie Bag of Donuts Winters is out there. So... Uh, just a good time. Uh, fans were really digging it, and, of course, the cars, too, were really, really cool, and the weather was, like, perfect, too. So this is a lot of fun. And, of course, David Hobbs Honda. I'd like to thank David for coming on the show earlier today, and uh, congratulations once again. 30 years of David Hobbs Honda in the Milwaukee metro area and, of course, their up upcoming expansion. Of course, Tony uh, was out there before the expansion, Picked up a Honda Civic. How's your Honda Civic yeah, it's doing? Good, actually. Just been getting the emails saying, "Hey, you're due for your first checkup, uh, your first uh, first service." Is it, what so, five thousand? Is it? Do, uh, do they do them at? Yeah, it's about that. So five thousand seventy five hundred. Yeah. I'm right in the middle of that. So. Right. It used to be you know three thousand and then that, but now keeps it, going up. Yeah, it keeps going up because the well, the the oil is so Quali much better. Oil's better. Quality's up. If if you're if yeah. you're getting a oil change at three thousand yes. miles, you're wasting money. That's just a, this yeah. is that's my this is my public message to people out there. You can go five thousand. No problem easy, with the oil. I mean, yep. and you just when you go on the dash and go through everything, you mm -hmm. can check your oil percentage, you know, right through. So you just yep. you know you don't have to risk it at any point. You're just right on top of it. So they got you taken care of. So. Of course, Tony Dezino, NBCSports.com. He's our IndyCar insider, and he's been following the circuit. You're a gateway, and just real quick on that, I mean. Uh, somebody who, of course, worked at the Milwaukee Mile, I'm really jealous of what's going on there. But it also gives me hope because Gateway was a dead track, and they really had no hope. But uh, they've really—I mean, I've been—I've been—I mean, I know I've been uh, sound like a repeat over and over, but they really have done it the right way at Gateway, haven't they? It was a pleasant surprise, probably the most pleasant surprise of the year. Um, and that's not to say there aren't things that can't be tweaked, you know, parking sure. being a little better, just ingress, egress, directions, concessions. But from fans starting to file in at 1 o'clock for a Pro Mazda qualifying session for right. nine cars, you know, and, and, and people heeded the warnings, the... They had three things that were working. The first was a, a, an owner, and a, uh, Curtis Francois, who was determined to put whatever investment needed to get put in the track. They mm -hmm. repaved it after a test, and the guys were like, hey, cut, we're cutting tires. The track service is brutal. So they repaved it, and they did. Um, the second is a title sponsor. Bomberito Auto Group basically blitzed the area to where, unless you were living under a rock, you had an idea the event was going on. The third thing then was that collaboration with IndyCar where they put everything in downtown. Um, you're right in the heart of the city, and there was just all these events during the week. There was this fan fest, you know, and it's not things that Milwaukee hasn't tried before. I mean, they have. Michael Andretti pretty much threw the kitchen sink at it when he was mm -hmm. here the last time. But, you know, an ABC Supply isn't exactly a direct-to-consumer type sponsor, right. if that makes sense, whereas Bomberito Auto Group is something where, okay, we can go out and buy something. We can see tickets here. You know, it's like something like that. Th those were all ingredients. Granted, the race itself almost kind of didn't live up to the expectations because right. it was a brutal start. And, um, and Speaking of that start, now, there is a rumor that – uh, some people thought initially that maybe just because of the lateness of the hour and that, that it might have been a little bit of dew on the track. And then there's another source saying that it might have been from the fireworks. What Did they ever say what was the problem with that? There was never a formal uh, review, formal statement of what caused it. It was kind of a, you know, 
I talked to some drivers and teams that said that blamed fireworks. More guys blamed the prior Cooper tire rubber. But I think the combo, the thing was, it's such a fresh surface that mm-hmm. it's just super slick regardless, you know, and anything that gets on there, whether it's, right. whether it's dust, whether it's rubber, whatever, is going to just mess it up. And, you know, quite frankly, I think why, I think part of the reason the Watkins Glen race, which was last week, uh, saw guys start on wet tires was because they didn't want to risk another goofy start where more carnage happens. I mean, you know, it's like you had Ed Carpenter flying over Will Powers' car at Gateway like Transformers, mm-hmm. and it just didn't it didn't look right, but, you know, Will's lucky that nothing came out of it. Um, but outside of that, you know, I thought Gateway did a pretty good job, and, and uh, I thought Watkins Glen did a pretty good job. It's been, an inter- it's been a very interesting two weeks. Uh, for the IndyCar Series, heading to the Sonoma finale next week. Right, and Watkins Glen, I think, culminated uh, uh, something that I've been waiting for, and that's basically you know uh, Alexander Rossi winning in the way he did because uh, you and I have been following him. You know, he was the great F1 hope, so to speak, and and he got into F1. He, he got in with a team that unfortunately ran into some money problems and – it probably st- still should be an F one, but the current situation with Formula One with with ten teams, it's it's really tough, and and for him to be bouncing around, yeah, you know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with an American driver bouncing around at the rear of the field, kind of getting the experience and maybe a chance to move up to a B team and maybe later who knows what. However, in this situation, I think I would have done the same thing. You know, with with the opportunities that presented it, you know themselves, and with with him really solidifying him with the Andretti Autosport. I mean, sure, Indy was fantastic last year. What they were able to do him and Brian Herta, fantastic. But I think this this I mean, the Watkins Glen weekend, the kid has talent. He didn't sure he won Indy by luck, and and he really was impressive on the oval. But this is. This is the Alexander Rossi we've been waiting for, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's been really great about him this year is he's had so many more complete weekends where mm-hmm. they're qualifying fifth or sixth or they're qualifying second or third. And it's like here he pulls a pull out against Scott Dixon right at the end. So he's, he's on pull. He leads the most laps, has a fuel issue similar to like he did at the 500 where um, the fuel probe needed to get changed. Then he goes a lap, you know, almost loses a lap down where with an ill-time pit stop because he couldn't get the car filled they get a lucky caution in the form of his teammate takuma sato spinning out we thought it was an engine issue but it wasn't um he the thing is he appreciates being an indy car so much more now than he did last year it's not even close and and he it's funny he and i kind of you know agreed to disagree about his introduction into indy car but what has been obvious this year is his his understanding of where he fits in the sport, his understanding within the team that he drives with, and oh, his. Can you, can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? Where he fit it? Where he? How he initially came in? You mean? Or? I don't think he. I don't think he really knew what he was getting himself into when he when he came over here. He still was very much in that F one European sheltered guarded mindset where. Right. I, that I agree with. For those who who may not be aware, he's been pretty much living in Europe since he when was been what, in Europe, sixteen. Seven eight years, yeah. I think at least. He even and, had that that hybrid American European accent, right? And now he is embracing that American like so much more. Like he's embracing the team. His social presence has been a lot more open. Um, it's been it's been probably one of the most refreshing things of of the year is to see how much he appreciates where he's at. He's really high on life. He's he's 
happy that he didn't have to change teams. Uh, granted, he had to look elsewhere because of his Honda ties, but um, he was careful. He hadn't re-signed initially, and you know he did just prior to the start of the weekend. And you know, within a weekend, you re-sign a contract, you get Napa Auto Parts, you know, for an extended which, which deal, which is a no-brainer. Which for is them, a no-brainer think, for yeah. them. They, you know, I talked to some of the the Andretti people during the weekend, and they Napa now has a three-tier plan where they've got Rossi and IndyCar, they've got Ron Caps and NHRA Funny Car, and they've got Chase Elliott NASCAR. They have this this brand now that they haven't had, and you know, they've really rebuilt their motorsports program after the Richmond fiasco four years ago this weekend with Truex and Clint Boyer. Um, to, to put a bow on Rossi, he beat Dixon in a straight fight at Watkins Glen. That just doesn't happen. So it it was awesome to see. And, uh, you know, while one American rose, another one bit the wall, it uh, pit out. And, and that changed the ball game in the championship by leaps and bounds. It certainly did. Joseph Newgarden, boy, I... I didn't know if the big mistake was going to happen. It did. Is it going to be the you know unfortunate mistake that kills the championship? That will be seen next week. But that didn't that didn't help anything. No, it didn't. And it, it just I mean he is a young driver, but I I'm I'm happy because it kind of makes it more exciting. You know, makes it a lot more exciting. And uh, he's got Dixon breathing down his neck, three points back, and then Elio Castroneves is 22 back in what could be the final race of his full-time career. We kind of think that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Simon Pagano, who you know, told me at a, at a lunch in, in Watkins this past week, one of the big challenges for us is we won so many places last year that by trying to improve our setup, we've actually gone in the wrong direction. You had a car that was was good, but by trying to make it even better, you go the wrong way, and that's that's been the problem. That's an and interesting point. That's been the problem with this Aero Kit is that there's such a finite window that once you lose that optimal setup, you are out to lunch, and and it's shown that way this year. Where Pagano, he's not bad by any stretch. I mean, he's got 12 top fives. He's you know still qualifying, you know fifth or sixth. The problem is he's qualifying behind two or three of his teammates. So it's been a really weird year for him in his title defense because it. It's he's never felt like he's been in the spotlight, and yet if he steals it into you know next week, you wouldn't be shocked. And then you know, of course, the the Sato going over the Ray Hall, I think, is interesting because on on a couple of levels, because you look at Ray Hall fifth place again, mm-hmm. he's, he's right there now. Rossi had passed him up into points, but he had been that next guy behind the 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 Red Swarm, as what they we used to call it, or you know, the Penske uh, Ganassi. A Death Star, um, but you know he's been he's right there, and I I'm kind of excited for that team next year because it seems like they're saying, hey, we're doubling down. They've they? they've needed a second car for a couple of years. They really ran Graham solo for now three years. I think mm-hmm. the last time he had a teammate full season was James Jakes, and no that offense, was to, money no, deal. no offense to James Jakes, right. but that's a that's a money deal. This is a money deal, but this is also the Indy 500 champion in the best form of his career, you know, following a late-season renaissance. I mean, Sato has been revitalized this year. I, I think I think he'll help. Um, it'll be interesting because I, I don't I don't see Graham or Takuma as being the, the top of the series, but Graham's been, been close. He's been consistently there now for a three-year period where you, you can't say that year he had two years ago was a fluke because now he's running more competitive more often. So I think that that should be a rising tide lifts all boats deal when, when that comes to fruition next year. And then another driver who, who ran pretty well, who ran better than he has been for the year is Charlie Kimball. Mm-hmm. 
And do we know where he's going to be? He's got money, he is a but mystery. he doesn't have he's, a lot of money. Yeah, he's a mystery. His sponsor has been a, a question mark all year in terms of how much they'll re-up for. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard his name linked to three different teams, at least. Um, I think there's a good – I mean, I'd say there's a better than 60%, 75% chance he'll be on the grid next year. It's just a question of where. Mm -hmm. the, the, the big rumor has been him and Max Chilton doing Carlin. I can pretty much say the Carlin Chilton thing's happening. Whether Charlie's the second driver there, we don't know because there's a lot of different potential options that they could they could go that route. How how ugly is it? <laughs> I mean, have we seen a relationship? Uh, not since the Sebastian Saavedra uh, uh, Schmidt breakup a couple years ago. Has there been an uglier kind of situation right now? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's ugly though. Isn't it's it? not fun. No. It's not a good situation right there. Um, and for those, well, they, let's give a quick uh, background. Long story short, Tony Cunon, Max Chilton, Charlie Kimball are pretty much playing out the string for the last month or so. There's been a lot of animosity where Chip parked a couple cars because they were too far back right. in the race to make up for the positions. Chilton argued that they shouldn't have done that because, number one, he's the paying customer. So mm -hmm. if your boss is saying the guy that is paying you to be on the track, hey, you can't do that, well, why are you going to be happy with that? Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll take this. I'll take this 17th place and DNF and be happy. But no, you're not. I mean, right. no one is. So Canon's kind of ran his course. It's been a disappointing year. I don't think he's gotten on top of the – the Honda Switch, like the other guys have. It seems like he's been pressing too much. Hasn't yeah, it? he's made, he's made too many mistakes, and it's like a guy of his caliber is, mm -hmm. you know, last year he was ahead of Dixon most of the year in points, and you know he probably should have won Road America last year. So he's he can still do it, but this year he's just not. He's regressed. Kimball's regressed, although he's had a lot of bad luck, a lot of mechanical issues. You know, he was he was leading the Indy 500, and you know, blew up there. So. Um, it's been an unfortunate dysfunction junction, and you know, despite you know a couple of names you hear alongside Dixon for next year, there's not really a clear number two um, there. So it's, it's kind of weird. Speaking with Tony Dezino from NBCSports.com, make sure to check out his stuff at that website. And uh, last one here, AJ Foyt Racing. Are we going to have two new drivers again? I would say at least one. But I think there's a very good chance one of the two will be currently retained. Which one I've heard mixed on both. I so have I. And uh, you wonder has Daly done enough to save his? <sighs> this is a ride? this is a really weird one between the two of them. We've talked about this all year. Neither mm -hmm. one of them is regarded as the best setup wise. But Connor's really good with the sponsor ABC Supply. They like him a lot. Carlos has come on a lot better of late. He's got three top ten finishes, but. It's just not that. Well, here, here's, here's something. Okay, I'm, it's a, I'm, it's a I'm, heavy sigh. You know, and we've both been around the ABC people on that. But here, here's something, and, and see if you've noted. Now, you've been around more paddocks this year than I have. But when I was around the paddock and pit areas and whatnot, and all the drivers are out and what about, and you see Munoz and Daly. Most of the people go to Daly. Yes, and he's the number two driver. Yep. And if if I'm ABC, I'm like. If from a longer nothing term... against Carlos Munoz too, because I've done it too. I had a choice uh, at that test, indie test, the interview. I, I had I had a choice of either or, and I I pick Connor because 
Well, I, I know I'm going to get a better interview out of him. So funny story, right? So at the Gateway Media Lunch a couple of weeks ago, it was actually meant to be Connor alongside Graham Rayall. And Connor had a last-minute commitment, couldn't do it, so Carlos gets drafted in for it. So instead of it being split pretty evenly between people going to Graham and people going to Connor, it was like 99% dissension on Graham, and poor Carlos is just sitting over there like, I'm here too. Just mm-hmm. like, like you know, he he wants to smile. He's a really nice kid, but he he's is. just yeah, yeah. He, he, he's right. damn good at indie as well. I mean, he's spectacular. I mean, he dragged a car that had no business being tenth this year, and you know that was almost as good a result of his runner-up finishes. But um, yeah, it's just he's weird. He's in a weird spot in his career because. He's not really shown that team leadership dynamic that he kind of mm-hmm. needed to. And even though he's been better maybe than what the expectations are, I don't think there's as much, uh, we'll say, paddock potential around him that there is around Connor. Because Connor, right. I think, okay. is, I think Connor has, in the last two months, really kind of understood here's where I need to go, here's where I need to be at into developing. And I think Connor actually made a good point when he and I had a long term uh, chat earlier this year. It takes guys two, three years to develop. And if you look at his results as a rookie versus New Gardens as a rookie, he was actually better than Joseph as a rookie considerably. Like he was six spots higher in the points, had a podium, had a few top fives. Joseph didn't even have a top 10 as a rookie. So that's interesting. I didn't um, know that. So when you, you look at those things, Connor suddenly, you know, has some validity to that. And he adds a, you know, he adds, for better or worse, he adds a comedic gesture to the, to the series oh, too. Certainly. And, and I think that's, I think that's a benefit. Mm hmm. It'll be interesting to see, and and there's a lot of things going on with Foyt Racing. If, if you're not aware of, with uh, you know, Houston, AJ, yeah, part of the team is based in Houston. They they bought uh, uh uh some property on Main Street and Speedway, in which one side is the winery, which I'm a paying club member of. Just got me two wine, two bottles of wine this month, this last week, and but the other side is the race shop, and that's part of the deal. Part of the deal was Speedway opened that area for race teams, and they get a break because of it. And the forty-one team is there because, well, they need to be there because that's the commitment Foyt Racing made. But also, and talking to Larry Foyt last year in that, uh, you know, the forty-one car. Any driver who's been in it, he's kind of felt that they haven't given him a real good shake at it because of the, the trying to get personnel for a second car in Houston was really bad last year. So right. it makes sense for them to try and get guys in Indy. But they're still – it's it's not easy to make a big turnaround unless you're going to throw a lot of money on it. And Foyt, Foyt has you know some money, but they're not Penske. They were not as exposed within the greater sphere of the paddock as they have been this year by Dale Coyne as they Mm -hmm. have been. I think Coyne showed what a team with smaller resources can do, and Mm -hmm. I don't think Foyt has quite measured up to them in the same regard. Not at all. I think the drivers have overachieved, but I also don't think that either one of them has really reached their full potential because they don't have a veteran teammate that they can really build off of. An Oriole Servia, for it'll instance, be would be perfect. Be, and next year will be really interesting to see with the new the the new Aero kits and that that are coming in and that and everybody's kind of starting with a with a blank sheet of paper. How I I, I think you're going to be there. There's going to be a, another engineer shuffle and the young kids. That'd that be fair to say. There's definitely going to be as much engineer movement as there is driver. Yeah, there's going to be movement, a lot so. of grabbing. Like, okay, we need to who get, can we get? Who can and and if if I'm a team owner, my my modus operandi next year is who can hit the ground 
the quickest and, and show speed initially. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Tony, always a blast. Uh, appreciate you coming in, and uh, always looking forward to. It. And then we have the six month off season. Yeah. Um, now, now you say that, but there's really not. <laughs> there may not be on track action, but between driver reviews, oh, other sure. all the other postseason features, all the eventual movements, and you know, prognosticating once guys do fit in their new spots, there's still plenty. There's always plenty to do. Plus, um, there's Formula One. There's IMSA. Right. We there's have Petit Le Mans. There's yeah, all sorts of stuff. Plenty coming of up. stuff. I mean, this is the last. This is the last double barrel open wheel weekend. And one note I should make. Um, both races f1 singapore and indycar and i'm being on nbcsn we have a special guest coming back into the booth um next week um david hobbs will be back with steve matchett and one bob varsha will be in the booth for the singapore races uh lee diffie will be at sonoma for the full weekend so um when you go to the bench and call in the guy that was on the horn for you know 20 years that's not a bad backup so uh stay tuned for that Varsha always, I remember those days very well. It's dating all the way back to ESPN back in the 80s when uh, it was just Hobbs and Varsha back in the so, day. So attempts to clone Diffie have failed, but uh, <laughs> um, he's, he's so damn good that he can be in multiple places at once. He literally was last week where he was in Stanford I for the, the that, Italian yeah. Grand Prix and then made it into Watkins. But uh, this week they figure with the championship being on the line for IndyCar, have him at that race right. and then you know, have someone else for Singapore. And I tell you what, uh, there won't be too many complaints on the F1 side on that no although that means we will get our twitter feed saying bring back bob and i'm like eh, yeah I know. it's above my pay grade i, I, I just... feel bad for the because <laughs> I do you too. know so. you know he gets a lot of uh, undue criticism in that but you know it, it's I, I i don't think i here's the thing i don't think people appreciate lee's versatility the guy's right. called cup races f1 races indycar races this year he's called calling grc this weekend in seattle he's called like three or four of those he can call olympics he's called rugby i mean mm-hmm. you, you know the dude is like and his preparation's top notch so it's just one of those I, I think fans that were in a certain camp will always kind of stay in their camp and you know, if they don't appreciate what they have then, you know, it's a tough, tough you know, situation. And they did one uh they did one in Miami and I think they did one in uh but they in the off season the, the boys do the, the little round tables kind of thing on stage and that. Yep. And I was able to be a part of one in Chicago uh last year and I think if the fans went and saw that the the other side of Lee Diffie, the the Lee Diffie with a uh, an adult beverage in hand, with with just hanging out with Matchett and Hobbs, I think they might have greater appreciation for him. I've not been to those, but I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. And I think part of the allure of those events is the intimate nature of the uh, theater presentation. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, we we like kid about having you know, NASCAR unfiltered here. That is truly Formula One unfiltered. If you go to one of those events, so. Uh, We'll, we'll definitely keep you posted if uh, one is up on the horizon, especially in our neck of the woods. Tony, thank you so much. Thanks, Z-Man. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and broadcasting from the David Hobbs Honda Studios in Hills Corners. We'll be right back. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, pleased to be joined on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline 
with track president from Chicago Land Speedway, Scott Paddock. Scott, how you doing today? Doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Uh, you know, I'll let you know I was born and raised in the suburbs of uh, of Chicago, and uh, so Chicago Land Speedway is my hometown track. And I'll tell you, I, I just, not to be a brown noser here, but I, I love your track. The first year I went, we had, like, uh, seats in the fourth row. So, you know, about the worst seats you can get in the house. And you could still see every inch of track. We were directly across from Pitt Road. So you you didn't miss a second of the action. It was fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're, we're the most recent NASCAR track built back in 2001, you know, only 15, 16 years old now. So we were able to leverage a lot of the great learnings from other facilities, including building the racing surface a little bit below ground so that even if you're in one of those lower seats, you can still see the entire circumference of the track. And not too many racetracks can make that claim, but, you know, the aesthetics around this place are are absolutely fantastic and easy to get in and out of uh, great infrastructure. And those are important to fans. You know, the basic blocking and tackling functions of the basic guest amenities are important, and we uh, we take a lot of pride in, in delivering on that. Yeah, well, you definitely do. You definitely do. So we've got the Tales of the Turtles 400 coming September 17th. Uh, another uh, another reason why I, I love it is that you guys get all the series there. You get the trucks, you get Xfinity, you get ARCA, and then you get the Cup guys. So it's just a weekend full of of great racing. I love it. It really is four days of action pack racing and a lot of a lot of great drama too with the truck and Xfinity race. Uh, that's the last race before their playoff starts, so it's the last opportunity for those drivers to punch their ticket. So you can imagine the intensity on the racetrack with that. And then with Sunday's Monster Energy Cup Series race, the first race in NASCAR's ten race playoff. If a driver is fortunate enough to win here, they automatically punch their ticket for the next round. So a lot on the line there, too. Some great storylines heading in. And, you know, it's, it's sadly, it's Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last time racing competitively on a full series schedule. So it might be the last time to see him right here at Chicagoland Speedway. So we're going to appropriately honor and recognize him. And I know Junior Nation will want to be part of that, uh, that experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now I know that uh, next year you guys get bumped up into the beginning of July. I believe uh, next season the race will be on July 1st and not be the first race of the playoff like it's been uh, for what over well over a decade. Um, what Does that present any new challenges for you? No, actually we're excited about it. I mean, there was a lot of cachet that came with kicking off NASCAR's playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, a lot of our fans, during our early years, we were a summer race, and a lot of fans yearned for a return to summer racing when families were looking for things to do. You weren't competing with school activities or the NFL. And what's really intriguing to us is we're the kickoff race in the NBC second-half broadcast schedule. So they're going to promote our race in the Triple Crown, in Stanley Cup playoff programming, in Olympic years during the Olympics. So kind of a big deal to have that coveted kickoff position for NBC schedule. So they're going to put a lot of resources behind it. But but summertime is when families are looking for vacations, getaways, things to do, come out and camp. So we, we are thrilled with the return to the summer race time window. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And and you said it, uh, you know, a, a big thing is obviously being in Milwaukee is the Packers. And so the race is being run Sunday, September 17th. Now, it's it's great because, you know, your race will wrap up and everybody from the the Milwaukee area that goes down there, so the, the Packers don't play until Sunday night. And so they'll be able to get home and get on their couch and everything like that in time for kickoff. So September 17th, get down to Chicagoland Speedway. You won't miss, uh, you know, a second of the amazing racing, and then you'll get back in time for kickoff for the Packers. So it's a win-win. That sounds like one heck of a day for a Milwaukee sports fan, and Milwaukee's a great market for us, Not, and it's not too far to get here from the Speedway, easy to get in and out of the property. So, And uh, we, we love hosting those fans from uh, from Packer Nation down here. Well, okay, another question I have for you is I know it's been uh, quite a few years now since Indy has uh, has raced at Chicagoland. Any chance of IndyCar returning? Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance. Um, you know, in some of IndyCar's most competitive racing and closest finishes happened right here. I mean, this track is ideal for stock car racing and IndyCar racing. Um, with, you know, 16 years of history now, multiple grooves for passing, um, ben, we continue to engage in some some conversation with them. So I think the return back to July could be helpful because, as you know, um, you know IndyCar narrowed their schedule a little bit. So um, you know they've got uh, we'll, we'll be in by early July. We'll be done here now. So that opens up some of those summer months now that were free because when when our NASCAR race moved to September, it, it uh, conflicted with the IndyCar date that was run here in September, and that created some scheduling conflicts. So the change in schedule could be favorable. So we'll see. I mean, uh, we, we, we love uh, content here and exciting motorsports programming. That's the business we're in. So we'd love to see if we can work out something to make it work for a return. Yeah, we would all love to see that. And uh, I was at uh, at the Indy race at Chicagoland where – how close was that finish? It was uh, – hundredths of a second was it not yeah i think actually two of their top five finishes in history have been right here at our racetrack so uh it's 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 perfect for that that uh that uh indycar dynamic so well so we'll see we'll see well we're all rooting for that and uh uh, you know, that would be fantastic. And like I said, the, with the way that the finishes uh, have been, uh, IndyCar definitely belongs at Chicagoland. So we're talking with uh, Scott Paddock, track president of Chicagoland Speedway, ahead of the Tales of the Turtles 400, uh, September 17th, the first race to kick off the playoffs in the Monster Energy Cup Series. Uh, so is there? A, were you a huge racing fan before you became track president? You know, I grew up in South Florida, and motorsports wasn't too uh, pervasive down in the South Florida market. Um, I spent uh, 12 years working for uh, Gatorade Sports Beverage, and they were heavily invested in NASCAR, so that was really my foray into it. So, And, and I really developed an appreciation uh, of the technology that's involved in the sport. You know, to make these cars go and perform at the levels they do, I mean, what fans should realize is these auto manufacturers literally invest hundreds of millions of dollars into this sport because it's their laboratory, their incubation center for new technological advancements that really go into the cars that are in the showroom that we drive every day. So um, th- that's what I find the technology so fascinating and the access. 
I mean, this sport's defined by two things, this incredible sense of community. NASCAR is the quintessential America sport, American sport that brings people from all lives together, walks the lives together, and then just the, the sense of uh, the access it provides. This sport gets fans inside the ropes and under the tent like no other. We get you into the pit area, into the garage area, into victory lane, uh, up close watching, you know, what's going on in the driver's meeting. It's really unique in that regard. It's, I mean, imagine if you had a sideline and a locker room pass to Lambeau Field. How exciting would that be? Well, that's, that's what this sport of NASCAR stock car racing offers, and that's what I find so compelling for the fans. Yeah, they do do a fantastic job with access. Now, being track president, is it? can you root for somebody? Do you have a driver, or are you just rooting for one hell of a race? I am. I'm, I'm rooting for one hell of a race and a close finish. You know, there'd be some great storylines. I'd love to see Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, go out with a with a big moment like a winning a race. You know, and and you know that's the good thing about the current playoff or the current format and the premium on winning. If he's fortunate enough to win the next couple of weeks, you know, he'll punch his ticket for that playoff run. But uh, it'd be great to see him in it. You know, uh, I, I love frankly, what Danica Patrick is doing. I know she hasn't had a lot of success, but I think it's an incredible story what she's doing in this sport as as a woman, as a female. And so it would be great to see her, you know, ha- have a moment in victory lane at some point. But um, but no, just those close, close finishes, that's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, those final couple laps, I want to see fans on their feet just anticipating one heck of a finish. Oh, fantastic. Am I missing anything? You want to add anything at the end here? No, just fans can learn more at our website, chicagolandspeedway.com, or call 888-629-RACE, and it's four days of action-packed racing. Camping's a big part of it, and even if you're not an avid car racing fan, there's so much that defines these weekends. It's a festival-type atmosphere. Music is a big part of it, tailgating, camping, uh, kids programming. I mean, it's really a great way to create some great family memories. Yeah, and the, everybody in the Milwaukee area, we know how to tailgate. The tailgating is fantastic. So definitely get down to Chicagoland Speedway. Tales of the Turtles 400, Sunday, September 17th. Uh, and then, and like Scott said, you got Xfinity, you got the Truck Series, you got ARCA. Everybody is going to be down there. Get down there as well. Scott, I want to thank you for uh, taking a couple minutes to join us here on the Final Inspection Show. My pleasure, Jeff. It's always fun being on with you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll be right back after this. It's the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. the final segment of the final inspection show brought to you by great lakes dragway and david hobbs honda and it's time for predictions of course we got richmond uh tonight and uh this is the big race to get into the playoffs and is are, are we gonna have somebody race their way into the playoffs tony I'd love to see that i'd you know matt kenseth's on the poll that'd be a popular pick but um i don't 
I don't necessarily see it happening. I don't think any of the guys that are either outside looking in or really either going to be gamble enough or pace enough. You know, you look at guys like Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez. You know, I realize Joey Logano won the race here in the spring, but there was the encumbered win. They just uh, haven't. Encumbered. Uh, they, they just haven't had a fun Dennis word. Lloyd talked about that. And then we have another encumbered win from last week, of course. Yeah, the uh, the Denny Hamlin double encumber. Yes. So that's, uh, I don't know if that's, a, that sounds like a bad alt rock band, double encumbered. Um, but uh, that's how his, his week at Darlington well, was. To answer uh, your question, no, I don't think anyone raises that. Was that cumbersome? Is what did? That's not my type of music, brother. I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're your devil music. To answer yeah. your question, no. I don't no, think anyone else. No, they're not going to race in. I don't see a guy racing in to win. Interesting. No. We're not going to see the dump and run? Come on. <laughs> Eric Jones had his shot at Bristol, and he did not pull it off. So okay. Jeff Rolski, what says to it. you? No. Uh, you know, Boyer and uh, Logano, no. You know, uh, and, and I know that Joey won in the spring at Richmond. That was his encumbered finish, and that's why he's not locked in. Because of that, I don't see him repeating it. He starts twelfth uh, in the race. Boyer starts thirteenth, and then the the last one in is McMurray. He starts eleventh. So you got them all, you know, one, two, three, bang, bang, bang. But uh, I I don't see him uh, any of them winning. I think in the last six uh, Richmond races, the winner has come uh, has started in the top five. Uh, last time I checked, eleven wasn't in the top five, so I I vote no. I'll go Homer. I'll go Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth races his way in. He's going to be like a like a bumper car out there. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, why not? You go out, let's have some fun and and start wrecking cars. I mean, NASCAR's not going to do anything about it, so why not? Hey, you know, make your car as wide as possible. You got to use your fenders. Use it. You know, it it is what it is. If Lugano doesn't make the chase, though, it just goes back to when he took out Kenseth when he didn't have to. You know, when and I just go back to he was he was on his way to that championship. He really was, and and all he had to do was finish second to 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 Kenseth, and, and and but. With him taking out Kenseth, and then Kenseth took him out at Martinsville, and he just—it's one of those things like when when somebody gets, you know, here's a young kid, you go, you know, oh, I'm gonna have a lot more champ chances at championships. But you look in other sports, Dan Marino. Here's another one. I remember seeing Dan Marino in that Super Bowl, thinking, "Geez, how many more times are we gonna see him in here?" Or even Brett Favre. You think, you know, Brett Favre won and won in Super Bowls. You should have won that. Second one, as Ron Wolf called it, you know, a fart in the wind. You know, boy, you know, you wonder if how much thinking is he going to do in the off season if he doesn't make this chase. Well, of course he's not going to make the chase because it's not called the chase anymore. It's called the playoffs. The playoffs, well, yeah. <laughs> the next year, next year they'll call it something else. Uh, I, you make a good point, though. I mean, he hasn't been the same driver just in terms of competitiveness and in mentality since that since that moment. You know, yeah. it's it's guys guys in their first major championship push either rise to the pressure or they wilt at it. If they don't make the mistakes, right? You know, if, if they make the mistakes, rather it takes them longer to recover. Um, meanwhile, I guess I will go with chalk for a pick and go with the old seventy eight car, Martin Truex. Martin Truex, yeah. Well, you know, I'm gonna go with. Uh... 
Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he he starts 21st, so uh, any hope that uh, Junior Nation had of him making the playoffs? <laughs> See ya. Well, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> sad doesn't in have a way. A crew chief this week either. I mean, so. In a way, I'm kind of glad he's retiring. I, I wouldn't want to see him, you know, go on as a as a guy who is wallowing in the teens. You don't you want know? a Daryl Waltrip type end of right, the career, right? The past champions provisional. Yeah, and something you know he it it's it's not there either the desire combination of oh, who knows what, but it's it's and it's just you know the cup system the cup it's so hard to win you got to be so sharp in everything and and it just I think after that race in Homestead there's going to be a big relief I mean he's just gonna that weight is going to be lifted off of him I think he's going to be so happy. I think so. I think he knows he's him coming back this year was always kind of a big question mark anyway right. after last year. And his wife will be happy. His yeah. wife will be happy. He just he's never he hadn't had it all year, and it's been you don't want to see him continue to. Wallow. He's gonna be a media superstar though. Well, of course he, he he's already he's be, already started that way. Yeah. He, broke, he broke he broke Jimmy Johnson owning a restaurant on Twitter this week. He's I mean he's you know? and he, and he's good at it. Yeah, I mean he is a. The the is it Geico or no the nationwide, nationwide. nationwide. where he's walking through the office? Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. That's my favorite NASCAR commercial with a guy in it. It's just he's 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 a guy that I want to have a beer with that guy. Okay, know? yeah, he is definitely a guy you want to have a beer with. My problem is he's yet another person who is just going to carry the torch for NASCAR. And not say anything negative when negative stuff needs to get said. Well, we don't know that yet. Let's let's mm. let's see. Let's see. I, if if Junior can't go negative, nobody can. Yeah, I think that's. I think bottom line. You know, if you don't have guys that it, people cannot go toe, toe the company line consistently on that, that'd be. I, mean, I just think once uh, he starts cashing checks, you know, base. That's not. That's not been important to him though. No, he's got enough where he doesn't need it. You know, and he's he can do whatever. He I, wants I just at don't this point. see NASCAR or NBC telling Dale Earnhardt Jr. You can't say that because you know you're you're going against our brands. So I realize I say that as an NBC person, but it's like I <laughs> I think I think I think that's Dale Jr. Just I think you don't you don't make that hire if you don't let him be him. So that's that's my take. Well, on we'll it. see. I I hope I'm wrong. So obviously I'm not picking Dale Jr. I'm going to go with the outlaw this week. Give me Kurt Busch. He's had a lot of speed lately. Uh, yeah, yes. You yes. know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Stuart Haas has it figured out. When Kurt won Daytona, we thought that Stuart Haas was going to make the smooth, seamless transition to Ford and have a dominating year. And, you know, Harvick's only won once. Boyer, you know, hasn't really been a factor. And, you know, uh, that's the only three drivers they have. So, you know, so it goes. So that's our. No, I guess we should. This is our playoff or final guy to get in the playoffs, or is this a race win pick? No, race win. Race okay. win. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Kenseth then. So, Kenseth for Steve. Tony's got Truex, and I'll take uh, Kurt Busch. I like it. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show. Thanks to Great Lakes Dragway and David Obsonda for supporting us. We'll talk to you next week on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.